0: You are listening to the CPU News Podcast, which is brought to you by ErnerBerry's Comtel. Comtel will be receiving a complete redesign this year, and subscribers who utilize the service to track market quotations, analyze trends, and stay on top of industry news will see a host of new features. Streamline navigation, customizable dashboards, filtering options, quick access to your favorite reports, and more will make Comtel an even more valuable tool for those impacted by the protein markets. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor Amanda Buckle. And I'm Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Gastiglione. Now, Lauren and I, as well as the rest of the UV seafood team, recently returned from Orlando, Florida, where we best in the sun. It was beautiful weather, (laughs) poolside. Lies, (laughs) all lies. Uh, We were at the National Fisheries Institute's uh, Global Seafood Market Conference, and it was a big event this year as NFI was celebrating their 75th anniversary, and those who listen to our podcast will know that because we had uh, Lindsay Fowler with NFI on the previous week to talk about that. Um, But uh, it also happened to be Lauren's first time at GSMC, so Lauren, what'd you think? It was, and I loved it. Um, I thought
1: NFI did an awesome job of keeping a very well-rounded perspective um, on each of the markets by including industry experts, importers, producers, retail giants, chefs, uh, just to name a few. Um, So you had insight into so many different roles, and what I thought was really beneficial for our industry as a whole was that speakers from different protein sectors were invited to give kind of a foundation of what's going on in their industries, what's
0: working for them, what's been challenging, and I thought that was really interesting. Definitely, yeah. I mean, sometimes you kind of feel isolated. Uh, I mean, maybe not really with us, but like uh, actually kind of with us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We we cover, I mean, so much here, but when, you know, you're in the CIVA department, you know, we're not really – you know, understanding what's going on right. elsewhere. So it was... And uh, you can learn a lot
1: from what the other industries have gone through already.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, UB was very well represented, I must say. Yeah, add. how many speakers did we have? Four, we had, was it? Yeah, we had a uh, senior VP, uh, Russ Whitman, who uh, does poultry in her office. We also had um, a couple of our seafood market reporters speak. Um, Gary Morrison, uh, he spoke at one point. Um, Janice Schreiber, she was on a panel. And so was Jim Kenny. He was on the shrimp panel. Yeah. That's so awesome. It was a lot of a lot of UB faces. We right, and then our data was in a lot of slides during the presentation. Yeah, so. UB represented. Yes. What, what? Yeah. So if you saw us there, and we were recognized, yes. a couple times, <laughs> and <laughs> think, luckily in front of our boss too. Yes. <laughs> yes. So thanks for uh, the praise yeah. whoever whoever gave it to us. Um, but let's dive into some of the hot topics that were discussed, um, and we'll start off with eating patterns in America. So David Portolatin of the NPD group presented on eating patterns in America and shared some pretty interesting information. So for example, mid-scale and casual dining
1: is declining while QSR is on the rise. Convenience and consuming food at home
0: are just a few factors. So I thought it was pretty cool that 80% of meals consumed, he said, are sourced from in-home and 20% of meals are away from home. And... I mean, I'm thinking about it now, and I don't know if it's because uh, I have a a kid now, but (laughs) I'm not going out. I'm getting a lot of takeout, and I want to go home, and I want to be in sweatpants when I'm eating it. Right. (laughs) And they were saying that
1: on the latter end of the millennials... Uh, we are turning 39, mm-hmm. and so that age group, yeah, like you said, we we have kids and we're working, and mm-hmm. we have so many things going on that there's not really time to go out. So I definitely have been ordering online, picking up, yeah. bringing it like back on the home. way home, like from yeah. work. you
0: know, it's easy to to swing by and grab something, right? And I th- I think you're right. I think being able to order things online um, it definitely makes. easier. I mean, the fact that, I mean, I just pull up a menu, you know, right. You know, my husband will be like, what do you want for dinner? And I'll tell him what, and then I'll send him the link online and he messages me back exactly what he wants. And one, two, three, by the time I get home, dinner's, dinner's on the table. Same with grocery shopping, you know, shopping from home, order it, reorder it, grab it, pick it up. And then you're done. I mean, it's, it's all about convenience. Yes. And uh, which brings us to cooking, you know, so they are seeing some growth with at-home cooking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe we could credit the boxes of right. these meal kits exactly. and stuff. But they also brought up the Instapot and the air fryer. And I know. was
1: like, yes, I have the Instapot. And then when they said the air fryer, I was like, well, I don't want to raise my hand again and be like you so typical. You <laughs> have But I have both. <laughs> See, I don't have either. And
0: it's strictly because of space. Yeah, they
1: are. no yes, space. Yes. We don't keep them out on the counter because mm-hmm. they
0: are... Big, yeah. like, pieces. So, um, but, yeah, they – I I like them. They're both really interesting for seafood because, I mean, on top of convenience, we also talk a lot about how people don't know how to cook seafood. And with right. like these two gadgets – I mean, like I said, I don't have one. But, I mean, what they do is, like, they make it easier for people to take these the seafood and cook it at home. Yes. You know, if they're not doing frozen food. Um, but convenience, so they're saying that uh, the main – um trend in communes is buying shelf stable food. So that I mean that's your can tuna, your pouches of tuna. I mean, I know my uh cabinet at home is just full of shelf stable food. Yes. <laughs> you know I mean yeah. and then and then we go to the store and we buy a couple of staples, you know, the, the produce, fresh produce, you know, right. some seafood. And then if the week is hectic, then all that
1: stuff goes in the trash because it didn't get consumed.
0: Yeah, so shelf shelf stable's where it's at. Um anything else that you found uh interesting? Uh no, I think you hit on all the All the key uh points right there okay some other trend spotting that they said was uh independent and micro chain restaurants those are restaurants uh with uh 3 to 19 units um unique global cuisines healthy food options plant-based food options which we'll get more into in a minute and sustainability so they were saying that um for alternate proteins uh according to the data from the mpd group 16% 16% of consumers regularly eat plant-based alternatives. So think tofu, veggie burgers, and almond milk. So it's a wide range. Um, Sorry, almond drink. Almond is, beverage. Uh, yeah, almond beverage. As Jim Mulharn, president and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation, wants us to call He was one of the speakers. Yes.
1: Um, so what I found really interesting was that 89% of those polled do not identify as vegan or vegetarian, mm-hmm. uh, but the number one reason they added plant-based alternatives to their diet is because they perceive them to be a healthier choice. Um, other factors included taste, the desire to eat more vegetables, and
0: sustainability or animal welfare. Yeah, so I mean, the fishless fish was a huge topic, um, and I said we said they had um, somebody from the National Milk Producers Federation um, speak, and uh, they turns out they've been dealing with. This issue with um, almond milk and labeling issues for almost 40 years, which I didn't really honestly think about, I, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you know, because when I think almond milk and all, all these things, I, you know, I, I think of it as something relatively recent, but it's right. it's, it's been around. Yeah. Um, and the other thing which I thought was really cool was that they had uh, Danielle Beck, she's the executive director with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Uh, she spoke because the—I the, mean, they've obviously been dealing with a lot of these veggie burgers popping up. Um, but they, she said that beef's not afraid and that, uh, quote, there's plenty to go around. Yeah, and I think that's a, a great attitude to have as an
1: industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think for the alternative seafood products, in my opinion, I feel like it's kind of a different, uh, a different beast. I don't know. I think you know when people are looking for the veggie burger, I can mm-hmm. see the health aspects there. But that I feel like that doesn't really apply to seafood because seafood is, you know, it's all heart healthy and everything. And so one of the big
0: arguments there, yeah.
1: I feel like the only population that's going to be looking at that is people who really enjoyed seafood before they became vegan mm-hmm. and want to include that back into their
0: diet. Um, But but I think that's, I mean, that was what was one of the big arguments. So the big argument yeah. here is the labeling issue. You know, right. you can't call this vegan shrimp because there's no shrimp in it, you know? So, but what, I mean, what do you call it? I don't know. Right. So it's some
1: industries, they've fought that battle mm-hmm. and one other industries, they, you know, like almond milk, people mm-hmm. are still calling yeah. soy milk, almond milk, you know.
0: We actually looked this up online earlier, and Pringles. Yeah. Today <laughs> you brought up a good point. So I was, I was talking because I, I think this whole thing was, had been very fascinating, and so I was talking to my husband about it, and he said, Pringles aren't potato chips. And, and I and was like, And they can't what? be labeled. Potato chips. Yes. And so we, we looked it up and sure enough, somebody fought them and the FDA ruled that, I mean, they're not made from potato chips. It's like a dough. You'll have to look more into this. Yes, yeah, it's very some, interesting. And we found some actual videos of them, how they make the Pringles, which are really cool. <laughs> um, but so somebody brought that up. They fought you know, Pringles, the, the potato chip industry <laughs> fought Pringles on it. And so they are not called a potato chip. Because they're not made from sliced potatoes, so bringing us back to seafood, you know, you can't call it, you know, fish. You can't right. you can't say it's vegan shrimp because it's not shrimp. There's no right. shrimp in it, you know. And uh, unfortunately, uh, MPD, I think they said you could put imitation, as long like, as it's clearly. But then you have imitation crab meat, which is actually made know, from right. you know yeah. from fish from seafood pollock. Um, so. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out, but uh, what I thought was neat too was that um, the beef, you know, said like, we should team up together. Like everybody, you know, the National Turkey Federation, chicken processors, like everybody should join forces um, to look at these plant-based options and kind of partner together to address the issue of labeling. Yeah. And I think this probably was the first time that all the industries were together. Close. Yeah. I mean, you just didn't have eggs represented, you know, but... (laughs) <laughs> and nobody from poultry Sorry, was there, eggs. but well, I mean Russ was there. No but, Russ. Yeah, but I mean it's it's an interesting point. And bringing up healthy, one of the issues is that you assume that what you're eating, if it's plant based option, is healthy, right? But it necessary it not it's not necessarily healthy. Yeah, you know. So people aren't looking at these labels. You just automatically see plant based option, and you think I'm getting my vegetables. But are you? Right. You, you know. Don't know. It's, you don't know what it's else in the label. is yeah. in it so, uh, I mean, I think for me too, and we we talked about this a lot last week is uh you know, and I know this is a little bit different, but I think where it's located, where these products are located in a grocery store
1: right is key, know, yeah. yeah,
0: like uh for I mean obviously, I know like you buy shelf space, like bubble burgers, all their stuffs together, and they have a veggie burger, and it's with their their regular sort of, yeah. Get. But, I mean, I go straight to, there's- To you your know, vegetarian section if you're- Yes. Yeah. But I go straight there. I don't go anywhere else. Like these fake fish products should not be with the rest of the seafood. It should be in a separate vegetarian section, right. you know, because, so that you're not mistaking us. Because, I mean, if yes, you brought so up is much, that vegetarian yeah, you're, so you're, you're crazy. You're going to the store and you're just yeah, taking you just stuff off and the shelves. And and, with, yeah. And you might mistakenly buy something like that. It has happened before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's um it's gonna be something that we're gonna be talking about for a while. It's not going away anytime soon. But like I said, like you know, health is the number one reason why these people are buying it. But like I said, they don't know, you know, the exact details. They just think they're buying healthier. Um number two option is taste, and number three is that they want more vegetables. Um but they're also saying that animal rights and sustainability is also a factor, but it's at the very bottom. So yeah. as much as as much as people say they want, you know, they care about environmental factors and everything. Um, you know, it's it's not a, a top priority according to um the stats, which I think was uh, pretty interesting. Um so, where do we go from there? Uh I mean I mean it was Ford was it four days? It was started Tuesday. I mean technically it started Monday. But Tuesday to Thursday, yeah. And uh, I mean, there was like a value fin fish panel that talked um, really about menu penetration, which I thought was cool. Um, like for example, tilapia only has a nine point nine percent menu pen- penetration. What I thought was interesting, it's in mid scale and casual and fine dining. Um, I didn't really, con- I don't really consider tilapia a fine dining fish, right? So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing is that for the tilapia is that. Eighty-four percent know what the fish is, however, there's a negative perception associated with it. Um, and I think uh, I've definitely heard that a lot, you know, people associating just negative aspects with tilapia. Um, but I thought what was really interesting. The panel said, you know, the industry needs to stop belittling this species and everyone needs to kind of just cut it out. <laughs> cut it out. Leave tilapia alone. <laughs> there we go. New, <laughs> new sound, sound clip. <laughs> new sound bite. All right. Uh so the other thing that was interesting from the value fin fish panel is they brought up that um you you could talk more. You are probably better at this discussion since you cover pangasius Yeah. So this fish goes by so many different
1: names. The main ones are swai, basa, pangasius. Um so when trying to you know, collect data on these species. You kind of have to do it for each different name mm-hmm. that people call it, and it makes the work, you know, ten times harder. And um, you know, the conversation started where they kind of want everybody to just pick one yeah. and go with it. I so mean, that you're going allowed forward- three
0: market names, but yeah, we should. Everybody should get together, right? right? So in order to have proper data, yeah, there needs to be one name. Um, and what they also talk about is, is there a way to positively market USDA Pangasius? Um, because it's the only species group um, that USDA inspects. So um, people are, you know, are people willing to pay for that fish? You know, the cost is, what, you know. I mean, I think
1: one way they can swing it is that they're under stricter guidelines by the USDA. Um, mm-hmm. So they can, you know, go that route. Um,
0: but I don't think that's a, a hindrance on on that species. Okay. Um, the other cool thing was Pollock. So, uh, the catch is very stable. It's all in good health, but Pollock only has a 0.9 menu penetration. So there it's mainly in, um, mid scale, but small percentage that it's on. Um, and they're predicting that that menu penetration will stay the same throughout 2023 um and but there's little species recognition is what they found when they're pulling people and so they did call out the association of genuine alaska pollock producers and um, they say that gap is you know trying to change that um you know so their argument is there needs to be like the pollock story to get you know messages across um and we might actually even see marketing efforts at next year's gsmc which would be kind of cool to see
1: yeah and i think with pollock you know a lot of pollock goes into value added items mm-hmm. so things like fish sticks you know it's not calling out which fish it is and yep. a lot of it is pollock um so until i got into this industry i didn't i didn't know what
0: pollock was either mm-hmm. so i think yeah that, identify yeah, yeah. Which actually brings us into another point is that we were saying, you know, if you want people to have more menu penetration, you want people to eat more seafood, stop just saying it's, you know. Fish and chips or something yeah. in general. Or even just like uh, we went to an event where the options were chicken, vegetarian. Right. Or, or fish. fish. Well, what fish? I initially yeah. picked a vegetarian option. And and then I asked? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And Lauren asked and it was Alaskan halibut and I said, all right, switch. I'm switching, right? Because <laughs> I love halibut, you know. But yeah, that was a good point. Yeah, That's my funny. immediate like, I just think of you know, I, I'm gonna be honest, I don't like a lot of not a lot of seafood. I don't particularly care for salmon. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna say it. I apologize. To That's our okay. Salmon I listeners. love salmon. All right, so Lauren makes up for it. <laughs> um, you know, but there's some. I mean, everybody has a certain fish that they're just like not particularly fond of right. eating. So I'd rather have something and else. And if they're
1: not gonna call it out, then you would kind of assume that okay, if they're not gonna market it then
0: you know it probably isn't
1: that great so yeah. let me just stick with chicken or the mm-hmm. veggie option
0: and i know there's d- different reasons probably why you know these things happen where it's just labeled as fish you know but yeah or maybe they did their ordering you know the week before and they didn't know which fish they were going to get exactly so. i i know there's there's you know probably many answers to this but i think that changing that is one step closer, you know One way we could increase consumption, right? Um, And even with the
1: instead of just tuna,
0: ahi tuna or you know bluefin tuna, yeah. They were saying the same thing about crab. Identifying, right? Just give people want a story. It gives a little more value. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. People, you know, they were also talking throughout the conference about personalizing things. Yeah, and people, people want to know what exactly they are eating. Yes. Um, So these are simple fixes that that we could do. You know, just to to get seafood consumption, you know, to, to increase. Um, so the other thing, there was a premium fin fish panel and competing protein panels all combined into one. Uh, they were talking that seafood compete, uh, can compete with beef across all price points. And they it was really cool. They listed, um, you know, different seafood options to put on, you know, fine dining down to, you know, QSR. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's, options for any price point if you want to have something fine dining um but actually fine dining is the only segment that we're not priced the highest at and that's where beef's the highest um they also noted that consumption of poultry is on the rise while everything else has been stagnant and that middle is
1: consumption of poultry just ever
0: on the rise like it's just constantly increasing 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 probably i mean that's a, that's a good thing to get one of our poultry reporters on maybe yeah. we'll talk about um i know in my house chickens probably i said i don't mean i'm all a pescatarian <laughs> but my husband eats a lot of chicken and yeah. just, it's easy and honestly it's cheap right you know yeah so you know how to cook it yeah yeah exactly although cooking it freaks me out i have to like When anytime he gets a piece of chicken it's always like hacked to pieces because i'm always <laughs> afraid i'm gonna serve him raw chicken um so maybe not my case but uh they also said Middle America is not eating seafood, which I can also kind of say. Right. You know, if you're on the coast, you're thinking that you're getting some fresh seafood options. Yeah. You're not necessarily getting that um, in Middle America, um, but like I said, people are hungry for a story. This is something that Jennifer Bushman brought up. She was the panel speaker for Premium Fin Fish and Protein. So the last thing that we want to talk about is seafood and flavor trends. Um, and there was a speaker from Data Central, uh, Director of Customer Solutions, Kelly Fetchner, who brought up some really interesting um, data, which I thought, you know, we want to share with you guys. Um, so why people eat seafood? It's the taste, um, the health factors, and a varieties that can be prepped easily. So cod, salmon, whitefish are all growing on menus. The term crab in general is declining. Um, but like we said before, if you tell consumers more about it, it'll grow. So mm-hmm. acknowledging where it's caught, what kind of crab it is, um, wild caught and sustainable. Those words are also growing on menus. However, farm raised is on the decline because consumers don't know the story. So we need to figure out like some sort of positive spin, um, you know, more reporting on, on the factors of why farm raised, uh, farm raised food is you know, right. Get good. some
1: pictures of the open water pens out there for mm-hmm. people. So
0: Yeah. So doing that more to increase that on menus. Um, she talked more about building excitement with something new. Um, so, for example, like fish and chips, she said, you know, it's boring until you elevate it, yeah. you know, and that and that's how they get on fine dining menus. So, you know, whether it's like a cool sauce or a cool seasoning, um, and this isn't exactly fish and chips, but I was talking the other day about uh, this the everything seed encrusted the everything, everything bagel, bagel seed, yeah, yeah, encrusted haddock that I had, yes. um, which was awesome, you know, and it's you can get so much breaded, you know, frozen fish, and I buy it all the time. I don't think I think of it. But then I saw this everything bagel everything yeah, people see, like, thing Ooh. it was like that's interesting it's exciting yeah um and it was delicious it just elevates it yes we need to elevate um and back to what we were talking about before uh fish sandwiches are declining because people are now saying what fish yeah. is it let's identify this and that was the same thing at the the restaurant at the hotel there was a fish exactly. sandwich and everyone's like, "What?" I mean, especially for like a seafood Not conference. fish is it? I know, right? <laughs> like, acknowledge what you know. And it was it changed it's day like to day. Being part of
1: the problem. <laughs>
0: yeah, it changed day to day, and, and right. you know, so maybe they just didn't want to reprint the menus. I know the first day it was snapper. The yes. Second, it was mahi. And then. Grouper. Okay, so that was also somewhere. In- <laughs> so yeah. it, I mean it changed so I, I can understand why it's not on the menu, but at least have a board up, have right. the you know, the waiter say, like our fish for the day in the sandwich is this. Um
1: you know, a little more
0: effort, much more return. Exactly. So um seafood has declined on menus over the last four years, but vegan and vegetarian and plant-based food is on the rise. So that's something to note as well. But consumers only like plant-based seafoods. And I'm saying like, this is what the poll said, while more people actually love seafood. That makes yeah. sense. We got the love. We need to, as a whole, as an industry, to make things more exciting. And more detailed. And more detailed. Yeah. Those are, those are two big takeaways. Yep. Build excitement. <laughs> I know I'm excited for seafood. <laughs> Me too. But anyway, overall, great conference. Great conference. Glad to be back, but we're glad to share stories, and we'll have um, more content on Sifu News um, as the week goes on. And so be sure to check it out. But thanks for listening. Reach out and let us know what your big takeaways were from GSMC, what you really liked, what you want to learn more about. Um, So you can email us at abuckle at earnerberry.com or... El Castiglione at ErnerBerry.com. Good luck spelling that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This episode of the Steve News Podcast was brought to you by ErnerBerry's Comtel. Thanks for listening. Bye.